Hey, what's up, everybody? Let's do a quick cold open here. As I said in the Wednesday show, this will be a different type of show. We're going to switch it up so that way things don't get boring. No reviews or anything, no opinions of mine, just a straight interview. We have JT from Big Woo Radio. That sounds familiar. It's because he has been a part of the Geneva Convention, like the rest of the Big Woo crew. Um, they were they made two cameos, one in episode three, episode issue three, and one in issue five. Um, this whole thing was put together very quickly. Once I found out how huge of a wrestling fan he was, I think you guys, no, I know you guys will enjoy everything he has to say. It was a great conversation. To me, I had to stop it because we could have talked forever, you know. So, anyways, this is uh, the, the interview. Or a conversation, I would like to say more so than an interview. But it's JT from Big Woo Radio. This is the Monday show. Hope you guys have a great week. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the show. I see things a little differently. I am this little chemical. Today we have a special guest on, um, and I'm terrible at promoting myself, so I don't know if anyone actually checked it in the blog talk radio that listens to my show, because I didn't actually promote it. I knew it was coming, it just slipped my mind. But I was on an interview a couple weeks, a week ago, a week ago, actually. When this comes out, it'll be two weeks ago. But um, I had no clue. I've been, uh, by the way, our guest today is uh, JT, the homie from Big Woo Radio. I've been on his show a couple times, Big Woo Radio. And so I had no clue he was such a wrestling fan. Then he brings up wrestling questions, which was pretty fascinating to know. For those of you, if that sounds familiar to a lot of you guys, because a lot of you, because a lot of you guys did listen to the, the, the interview, it's because you guys remember him from the Geneva Convention comic book where he and the Big Woo Radio team were, I believe, in issue three and issue five. Um narrating the stories to that point and so they made some cameos which i appreciate them dropping in that was a that was a huge story for my career as far as in comic book world so we're gonna bring him on talk about a little bit of wrestling and whatever else comes up in it um but obviously it's being the wrestling show and him knowing wrestling like i would love to talk the wrestling uh, how he got into it and everything so how you doing today man i'm doing well man really blessed you know what i'm saying it's, it's a blessing man and an honor to be on the platform I appreciate it. It's always an honor to be on your platform as well. So, first of all, I, my first question is not a wrestling question. My first question is, how did you get hooked up into the whole radio game? And because I follow you on Instagram, we follow each other on Instagram, and you're you're one, you're a busy guy. Two, um, it's like one of those things where it just I, I don't know if it just you have the voice for radio without a doubt. You know, who you remind me of. I don't know if you've ever been to DC or not or Maryland, but there's a guy called Donnie Simpson with the green eyes. Uh, wonderful voice. I don't mind saying that about yeah. a man, but you remind me of his, you. You have his kind of his style, where it's kind of laid back. But how did you get into the whole radio game, and how did the whole Big Woo thing end up connecting? Man, it just um, it kind of fell in place. I mean, I was working in an establishment, man, doing nightlife, and um, my partner Big Woo came through to uh, do the sports show, and he was working with someone else at the time, and the guy was running late, and uh got to that album and I was like you know what man I said I can chop it up talk some sports with you and uh, he was like cool and uh you know the other guy came and we all three round robin it and went through it you know sports thing and the rest is his history man that's where Big Will Radio was born and uh you know based off of a live sports show and uh we put it all together man and, and brought it to fruition and here we are six years later that's awesome um I love how things just kind of come into 
to play like that when you're not looking for um, it just kind of happens. Um, that's always a great feeling for sure. Actually, your story yeah. reminds, your your story actually reminds me of speaking of wrestling Paul Heyman's story. How he just would like he he would kind of lie, <laughs> but like things yeah. just kind of fell into yeah. his lap though. But he didn't he didn't want to miss the moment, you know. And the fact yeah. that you you saw that you didn't miss the moment. Um, so all right, so let's get to wrestling then. How how long have you been into wrestling? Man, I think I was introduced to when I was like four years old. Oh wow! On an old thirteen-inch black and white by my grandfather, and it just took off from there. That's crazy. So, are you just into one specific organization, or are you just are you just into everything that you can get your hands man. on? Man, I used to get Pro Wrestling Illustrated. I used to get my hands on whatever I could wrestling, and I mean, I followed everything from world class wrestling, oh, world championship wrestling, but it all started with the NWA. Hmm. And it took off WWF when it was WWF, and now WWE. I mean, I followed um, wrestling when it was on ESPN with AWA. So it, it's it lived everything, man. So you, you so you've been you've been a fan. You, you're a lifer essentially. <laughs> yeah. See, yeah. see, it's so it's so cool. You got your grandfather got you into. It. My grandfather accidentally got me into because my grandfather. I don't know if I told the story in the podcast before, but my my grandfather, he used to watch the shows in silence. He never he only cut um the volume up for certain wrestlers like he loved Macho Man he loved certain people he would listen to their promos yeah. and so yeah. I was the only person that could listen to it and not talk or ask questions and yeah. so that's how I got into it and it's rubbed off of me to the point where even when I'm at home watching wrestling I watch it in silence unless it's certain people or certain moments um, yeah so that's very interesting how things just get passed down from generation to generation so. Before we get into the modern stuff, that's that's easy to talk about because that's in the moment right now. Yeah. What kept you into wrestling? Like, cause th- let's be honest, there's been some dark days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What yeah. kept you in it though? Oh, man, <clears throat> I'm gonna tell you, it's basically, man, just the love of the guys. I mean, mm. I went from uh, the Road Warriors in the early days to the Four Horsemen to. You know, Kerry Von Eric when they was running things down there in Texas, to um, even following the Freebirds and, and and of course the you know Hulk Hogan in the early days and and, and Jimmy Snooker and Bob Backlund and going back to Bruno San Martino. I mean, I looked at the the the, the early days, man, of wrestling and, and it just kind of stayed. It was just a thing. I kept up with the time and see on here. You know, I stayed, man. It used to just be. Saturday mornings at 11 o'clock. But it turned into, you know, started coming on during the week and professional wrestling started growing. But actually going to my first, you know, live show at a local high school, that's what really did it, man, because I I got to see Paul Jones and the great Kabuki and and Jimmy Boogie Woogie Man Valiant. That just just turned it even more, you know, to – to being able to see Wahoo with Daniel and Ric Flair the first time they ever wrestled in the Charlotte Coliseum. Wow. Like, it just it just burned from there, man. And my, I've always had a burning desire, you know, and kept it and even passed it down, you know, to my kids, to my boys. So it's it's in them, man. I passed that that passing and they, they watched it and watch it and still watch it. Wow, that's crazy. So all right, so cool. So all right, I'm gonna do something different here. Because uh, I, I I really like just going with the flow when I do interviews and everything, and I, and I know this is your first time on the platform, and, I, and I'm pretty sure you didn't know I do a podcast until I did the show last week. But we've been lucky and blessed enough to have a couple of wrestlers grace us, and we have some other wrestlers coming on soon. But we had Selena De La Renta come on, we had The Godfather come on, and so I, mean, I want to ask you, take it to the '80s first. What is your if you have one? What is your favorite match from the '80s? Or, think, it, it doesn't have to be a favorite. It's something that you know you can go to to this day, watch it, and it still entertains you. The I Quit, the I Quit match between Magnum T.A. and Tully Blanchard wow. for the U.S. title. That's a class. That's an all-time classic. Yeah. That is an all-time yeah. classic. All right. Let's go to the 90s now. Okay. Um, the first time that the Road Warriors wrestled the Freebirds, <sighs> I marked out for it. Okay. Yeah. He's even using wrestling terms. He's a wrestling fan. <laughs> uh, um, all right. Do you have one in the 2000s? 2000s, 
Um, I would have to say when when Ron Simmons won the World WCW Championship. That's in the nineties, actually. But that, that was in the nineties. That was in the nineties. That was in the early nineties. Oh man, let's see. Nineties, nineties. I mean, two thousand. Yeah. Think about um, think about Chris Kurt Angle. Go ahead. Chris, Chris Jericho when he when he came when he made his comeback and he came to WWE. Okay. Um, it was on Monday Night Raw. I'll never forget it. You know, the lights went out, the countdown came. I thought that was, I mean, that was bigger to me in that moment hmm. in a match just because, I mean, everybody went crazy. That was you know, a big moment. For real. That was a big moment. And I, I, you know what, me being such a Jericho fan, because I was one of the people, I was very young at the time, but I was one of those people that was, I was lucky enough to tape trade because I had an aunt that had a double VCR. And she, okay, yeah. she used to record shows for me because I didn't have cable. And what ended up happening okay. was once people found out I was a wrestling fan, I made money off of WWE. Like I, I can say this now because 20, 30 years past it. But yeah. I, used to, I, I remember I was the only person in my school that stayed a WWE fan. I was a WWE fan and a WCW fan, but I was the only yeah. stayed a WWE fan. And when the Montreal school job happened, I remember going to school the next day. Everyone knew I watched it. I had yeah. people. I had people who lined up. I sold at least a hundred to two hundred of those tapes. I'm not exaggerating. Of the mantras, yeah. I watched that. I used. To, I used to know November uh, Survivor Series '97 so well. I could do every match move by move because I had to watch it in order to record it for people because people couldn't believe it happened. Yeah. And at the yeah. time, I was so young, I didn't know that was real. So I was like, Yeah. yeah whatever. Yeah. But to 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 know that. Chris, I remember Jericho was the first one in ECW to take Taz off his feet, and it was such a big deal. So uh, to see him get the reaction that he got in WWE, even back then, I was like, people know who Chris Jericho is. I'm not the only yeah. one. That was a awesome moment. I'm glad you actually brought that up. Yeah, that was dope, man. Yeah. Okay, so I, as I told you on uh, the interview last week, I was lucky enough to go to... The main reason I went to WrestleMania weekend, honestly, as I told you before, once the FTR versus Briscoe was, was announced, I knew I had to be in the building. But I also wanted to go to WrestleCon because I'd never been to WrestleCon. I didn't even know what WrestleCon actually was. I should have because I go to Comic Cons all the time. <laughs> but when I just going and seeing some of the legends there, like I would recommend to anyone who just wants to meet legends because there are some chat. First of all, all the wrestlers are chatty caddies. I didn't realize that, but I guess when you get them in that controlled environment, they feel a lot safer than you following them at the airport or outside their hotel room. Um, but it was so cool to talk to people like Sergeant Slaughter, like Tully Blanchard, like and 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 all these other people that you brought up before. But I guess my next question to you is, when you think about wrestling back then and what wrestling is now, do you miss old school wrestling? I do because the the Ricky Steamboat deep arm drags for me was like <laughs> so I, you know and the the original when Ric Flair brought the figure four out was life for me when Sting did the Scorpion Deathlock those are the things that you know that for me was pure you know pure wrestling all the original sleeper hole all the claw that Baron Von Rasky had. You know, when Barry Windham started using the claw, like those things, to me was like pure wrestling. Mm. Okay, so, and on this podcast, and for the record, for people who don't, because people who don't know who you are, uh, whether it's you, whether it's anyone from Big Root, I've always uh, had a very positive vibe from all of you guys, including Jay and everybody. Like and I told this to Jay off uh, when we were talking in private one time. I was like, you guys are so uh, positive. So I don't. I, I'm asking these questions because I'm curious because he's such an old school fan. So if you guys think anything's negative, just, you can blame me. So today's product, you can make a ton of complaints about it. We know that you can make a ton of complaints about the old school product too. But this one, do you feel it is? It's become like a spot fest, as the old school people would say. I think so. I think. I think having to having to dig a little bit in order to keep it you know, keep it entertaining as opposed to now that I think about what we were introduced to, well, man, it was so generic and they guarded, see, they guarded the business as opposed to the businesses out there now. So 
it's a different move. So they, I think they have to work twice as hard now mm-hmm. to keep to keep the purity and you know of the business as opposed to when we were introduced to it. Man, it was like a fraternity. Like it was mm-hmm. just a you know everybody protected the business. I think the day that the business became unprotected, that's when it truly changed. So as I've, I've had this conversation with people, a ton of people on off air, actually we never had this on air. So I'm actually glad you said that. In my opinion, it's just my opinion. I'm, uh, I've always felt like Vince McMahon exposed the business. Like the, the, I believe I've always felt like the, the wrestlers have just gone with whatever the promoters have gone with. And once Vince McMahon started coining things, sports entertainment for better or for worse, whatever, however you see it, I've always felt like that, right there once you took that genie out the bottle you couldn't put that genie back in what do you think about that yeah you're right once you reveal it man it's a different i mean it, it was different from the moment that they that they revealed the business and i and, and you look at these a and e um <laughs> spotlights and, and people that 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 were in the first to reveal the, the secrets of the business and i'm like Man, you know, it's a different move now, but I, I just, you know, sometimes I find myself digging back in my old VHS tapes and popping in old Great American Basses and the original In Your Houses and mm-hmm. things like that just to remind me of, of my why. And, you know, and I, and I, and I appreciate that because for, even for me, a lot of my highlights, because that, that I had to dig for that Telly Blanchard match, but that's when I got much older and could actually dig for the matches myself. But like I do find myself doing that from time to time as well. I do believe because the bar has been set so high, people have to do these ridiculous amounts of things in order to get themselves. It's it's, it's a different time. Like I met Jim Cornette uh, when I was still living in Atlanta f- some years ago, and I remember we got into this conversation and. He's clearly crazy. <laughs> he clearly b- believes only. Like, yeah. The re- reason why, and I've had the pleasure. I've had the pleasure of actually working with Vince Russo, and I've had the pleasure okay. of having a conversation with Jim Cornette. The reason why okay. they can't get along, in my opinion, is because they're the same person. They believe so strongly in what they believe in, no one can yeah. tell them differently. So they're the same person. It's two different beliefs. But anyways, when me and Cornette were talking, I remember he made a comment to me to the effect of. Like this, he he still believes in his heart of hearts. You can go back and put the, the put the cap on the genie bottle. He believes that, and I'm like, wow. Like, and I, when I asked him how how would you do that, he says, one day I'll reveal it. I'm like, you don't have an answer then. I'm sorry, dude, because I just don't see how you can do that. Because is that that obviously some people say the business is too exposed, and that's fine. Now with social media, you have people who are friends but enemies on camera. I, I think people, as for as much as people complain about that, JT, I believe people want that. Like, I'll, I'll use the Will Smith thing as an example, right? When you have, uh, when you're a celebrity, and you're too, uh, and you're too closed off like Drake is, you get knocked yeah. for not doing interviews or not being in the public eye. But when you're too open yeah. like Will Smith and Jada, it's like, well, you gotta respect each other first, and then we'll respect you. It's like, well, you all, you go, you you all wanted to know this information. Now you mad? You know it. The same play. I think I've seen a ton of people get mad at the Undertaker because he had that Hall of Fame speech. I've not seen it yet. Yeah. But in my opinion, the Hall of Fame speech was Mark Callis. That was not the Undertaker. So he Mark yeah. Callis is thinking, you have to remember, just because he's one of your favorites, I guarantee you most of your favorites are not gonna have the same viewpoints that you're gonna have. Watch watch the um I watched it live and uh, you know even though I picked up on the fact that he did not mention Mick Foley I was at peace with that because he's also wrestled so many people. Right. And the people that he did mention, if he if he put them in the class above his matches with with mankind and Captain Jack, I'm I'm good with that too. And and I think the daughter was the one that brought it to the attention that he didn't, you know, mention it. But I was like, you know what, this man, that's not going to be his last interview. And I looked at it like. Mark Callis, the man, had so much to cover that, you know, in that moment, I think, you know, he he just, he kept it 1,000. Had it been The Undertaker in character, you might have gotten the Mick Foley mention, but I think in the real life and with all the emotions going on, I just think he just, you know, he took care of top priorities and there was no, no disrespect. It's just the man has man wrestled thirty years. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
you got 30 years of different promotions and, and being co- committed to WWE, WWF, and you know that from when he came out in like was it 1991 when he yeah. came out when I first heard Ted DiBiase announce and then there was Brother Love and then was the Undertaker. I mean, that's his story, and so much happened since that since that time that. I didn't even fault him for that because we know as fans that there was some classic encounters with mankind. Right. But I don't hold him in fault, you know, for, for not mentioning him. So I, I, I would even put it this way. I would even argue this. He, he was more instrumental in Mick Foley's career than the other way around. And I say that, I say that because at the time, I remember 96 for some reason... JT is I've said this on the podcast it has been engraved in my soul like I will go to my grave for some reason 96 had the biggest impact on me as a wrestling fan and I remember that timeline from both if it was WCW or WWE I remember the timeline I remember watching the day after Wrestlemania 12 and I remember this character coming out and being up the Undertaker like we've never seen before and I remember Even up to mm-hmm. SummerSlam that year in that boiler room match, I remember after he lost, my aunt looked at yeah. me and she consoled me. That was the f- yeah. I, I was never a big Undertaker fan, but that's the first time yeah. I seen Undertaker take a beating. I was like, "What's wrong with him?" I remember being such a little kid, like, "What's wrong with you? Like, why is he not fighting back? What what power yeah. does this guy have?" And yeah. to me, the only person that could have made mankind in that role was the Undertaker. So he was so giving with Mick Foley and vice versa. Mick Foley gave his body to so many people, but he gave his body more to the Undertaker. Um, yeah. So I get, I get it. At the same time, though, as you said, the emotions are hell. The Godfather didn't even uh, think his wife, and his wife was the one who came up with the Godfather character in his Hall of Fame speech. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it's in the moment. I get all that, but I always feel like. You have to remember your heroes are still humans as well, and you guys are probably yeah. gonna have different views. You know, mm-hmm. um, some of your I said this to someone who who, uh, who came on the show before they didn't like it. I said some of your pre- favorite people probably vote for Donald Trump, and you probably don't like Donald Trump. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. just that's yeah. that's just a part of it. You know, um, you have to learn how to separate it. Speaking of that, though, I do want I'm glad you're on because this has yeah. been something that I brought up a couple weeks ago. What are your thoughts on the legacy in and out of the ring of the Nature Boy Ric Flair? Man, uh, what I see now, he, he definitely was Ric Flair on and, and out, often on the mat. And I can only imagine, you know, the epic nights like after the arena on, on the road and, and whatnot. What I look at now with Ric, I think it's hard, it, you know, I think back to I was you know I was one when he had that airplane accident. Oh, wow! And so to look at all the matches and all the the bumps that he took through the years, man, I'm like, man, that's extraordinary. And to look at him now and 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 basically has survived all the things that he done to his body, hmm. you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, he was one of the first guys that I ever seen in person, bloody, ble- bleeding. Um, I've I seen him fight Dusty Rhodes. First time that I ever, you know, seen a man busted wide open. I mean, and just to see him in person, the, the, the effects of the chop. And to think about, you know, he really was that guy outside of the ring. And to, to watch some of the documentaries and it line up with what I always thought. And I, and I still, you know, have a ton of respect for Rick. I mean, it's just like, man, you know what? We all go through his, his life mirrors what us normal people go through mm. because he, he made good choices. He made bad choices and he made, you know, some, you know, some, some real power moves, but I think he should get as much credit as they give Hulk Hogan. I think they should give Rick Flair just as much credit as being a trendsetter and really just bringing styling and profiling to being the world champ and being the man. You know, to be the man, you got to beat the man. I remember the promos are, are classic, man. So when I think about Rick, <clears throat> I mean, he's, he's going to always be one of the goats. And when I think about taking professional wrestling to the next level. 
we're going to get to that GOAT conversation in a second. So I asked that question because of the controversy with him recently, with him and Mark Madden. And and I, I remember, and I don't, and I've, I've, I don't think I've, I think I've told bits of this story on here. I don't think I've told the entire story. So when I was living in Atlanta, I think you'll find this cool. I worked at a, I worked at a, an establishment. It was a restaurant. And mm-hmm. and Rick Flair visited there every Monday through Friday. And, okay. and um okay. I didn't even notice him at first. Um yeah. I think when you first start working somewhere, you kinda of just try to keep your head low and mind your own business or whatever. And so yeah. I ended up befriending one of the waitresses, we're friends to this day, and she found out I was a huge wrestling fan. Cause she and mm-hmm. she was like, Hey, you this is like maybe three weeks weeks into me knowing that having the job. And he had yeah. been there every day. And I remember like, when I look back, I remember seeing him. But, like, I'm just not one of those people to be in someone's face if that makes any sense. Because I, yeah. I travel yeah. so much. I'm sure you deal with this, too. I travel so much. I see so many famous people on airplanes or on, or on, or on airports. I'm just kind of like, dude, they don't need another person bothering them. <laughs> so I'm not even going to look yeah. their way, whatever. So she said, yeah, you're a wrestling fan. Right? I was like, yeah. She said, do you know Ric Flair? It's like, I start doing the woo. She's like, dude, that's him right there. He's here every day. I was like, what? No. So I was so nervous to meet him. They ended up like making me meet him or whatever. And he took a picture. So he signed something for me. I remember I remember talking to him. And he is Ric Flair in and out of the ring, one. And I've had this conversation with someone before off air. I said, I can only imagine someone who has his stature. Because you're right. People, even if uh, the Dave Meltzers or the Bill Apters don't give him his props for being on the same level as Hogan, the fans always make him feel like that. And yeah. I can only imagine someone who's been at the top for so long. It's hard to leave the top, you know, because you could tell Flair. I remember one time I asked him, I was like, hey, do you still want to be on TV? He was like, hell yeah, brother, I still got it. And I was like, no, no, you don't. But okay, <laughs> you know, but, he, yeah. but, but the fact that he believes that is the cool yeah. thing about it because it's kind of like, wow, like you really do, like you're not, you 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 really Ric Flair, you know, and it's one of those things where I do think in many ways that does hurt his legacy to some people. For me, I just because I don't really follow people. I just got on Twitter. I don't really follow many celebrities on Twitter because in my for me personally, I just don't want to see some of the crazy stuff they're gonna put out there. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I do think he is a part of the GOAT conversation. And the GOAT conversation is so subjective. That's why I usually don't have it. But now that I have you on, you 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 have all this, you have way more of a wealth of knowledge than I do because you watch a lot of stuff live. I didn't go to my first live event until 2005 SummerSlam and I had to go. It was in DC. It was Hogan versus Michaels. I just had to see like what was going to happen there. And, I, and it's funny because I just told this story at WrestleCon when I was, when I was lucky enough to talk to fucking, uh, uh, excuse my language. Um, what's his name? What's his name? Jungle boy. We were talking cause he was oh, yeah, bored. Yeah. He was like, what was your first wrestling event? I didn't even realize this until my sister brought it up. Cause she saw these old Polaroids. I took how, that's how old this is in 2005. Mm-hmm. It's crazy to say. I, rem- mm-hmm. I, I saw Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit live, Rey Mysterio live. I forgot about that because the only reason I went to that show was to see Sean and Hogan. I was lucky enough to see all these other things, though. But you going back to seeing Dusty Rhodes, I mean, I can only I can only imagine. You know, by the time I was coming up, I, I don't think Dusty was even wrestling matches. I think he was on commentary. Um, yeah. But yeah. what you saying that, who... Who is your top? Do you, if you have a top five, who is your top five? Oh man, oh. man, Ric Flair definitely. Um, Stan Hansen, Road Warriors. Um, always loved Terry Funk as well, um, and also in my top five is a lot of it's surprising. I don't even get to talk about this, but I was a fan of Abdullah the Butcher as well. Hmm. Just anytime, just because he was so controversial. He was. And, you know, read the backstories up on him. And it just, the man, the man was really, really a fear, even outside of the ring, because he wasn't, he didn't think like an ordinary person. And he operated like a menace. You know what I'm saying? So it was a lot. Some of that stuff he was doing was really real life. I mark out for the matches that he had against Bruiser Brody. Mm. Um, Carlos Colon, you know what I'm saying, when they wrestled in, in Mexico. And it's just, 
you know, those guys or some of the guys. And, and I even got to see him in person when he was in WCW, the little stint that he did, and they came through. Wow. So it, it was amazing. Uh, uh, the great Kabuki would be an honorable mention. The hmm. first time I seen him spit green mist in Jimmy Valiant's face, they was at a house show marked out for that so by the time i got to the great muda oh man i was like man him and sting had some classic matches mm-hmm. like they did really love love that so terry funk man going back to him um became the, the texas death matches and the the no holes board matches and how i said a real tear when when he power drive rick flair in tennessee and i thought you know man his neck is broke like that was that was real for me but <clears throat> i watched all the pay-per-views you know, both WCW, WWE, NWA. You know, I go back to Bob Connell. Bob Connell is the GOAT to me. Greatest, one of the greatest announcers of all time. Hmm. But what I remember, he was awesome. my introduction to wrestling. And then came Jim Ross, and then came Tony Schiavone, and then came, you know what I'm saying, the guys of today. But those guys, you know, uh, created the story for me and really broke, you know, made it fun. Yeah, you're saying some names that I, I, my audience will not know. Get to know them, though. I mean, the, look here. I know the WWE Network is kind of annoying on Peacock. I actually <laughs> I actually stopped using uh, the network as much as I... When it was just WWE Network, it was a lot easier to navigate these things. Through Peacock, they, they, they did make some adjustments. I'll give them credit. Um, but uh, what a lot of the names he's saying, trust me, it's worth it. Because I do... Um, uh, a match of the month every month, and I just usually try, I try to mix it between old school and modern. And uh, I do yeah. have a lot of people who hit me up. I remember the first time, my last iteration of this podcast before I took a break. I remember I put on the the match of the month Piper versus um, Valentine in that dog collar match, and people oh, had not seen and people yeah. had not seen it, and people had went crazy. I remember I remember that was the most popular show I had done to that point. I think at the time I was probably averaging only like maybe eight thousand listeners. That because yeah. of that podcast, because of that just that show in general, my my view, my listens skyrocketed, and I remember people was like, "Whoa, like what what more do you have like this?" And I started taking the match of the month a little more seriously after that because people just didn't they're not aware they, like when you have these I will say this I don't care what anyone says WWE puts together great video packages when when they, when yeah. they able whenever whenever they able to throw it in there it's cool but when you see it in a video package it's nothing like seeing the actual match feeling the actual people go crazy you know and it's one of those things where i think people appreciate it now more because it was taken away from us during covid but it's nothing like like i remember man what what building was i in i don't remember the building i was in but this is after steve austin retired obviously and i remember i was just in the building steve austin's music hits and that place i've heard the road warrior pop there's nothing like the road warrior or steve austin pop yeah period bottom line like it's just nothing like it, and so you're naming some people that are very important to the industry. If you are a wrestling fan and you are a historian, it doesn't take much to, to watch these 20 minute matches and listen to the, the vibe of everything. You know, it, it doesn't really take that much. I do have a question for you though. Talk about some more. Yeah. Do you have any modern favorites like right now? Um, I'm still. I've been a fan of CM Punk. Okay, and I've seen him live. And I followed him even when he was on the Indies. So I've always been a fan of his. Um, surprisingly, I'm a fan of Brock Lesnar. Why is that surprising? Uh, Why do you say that? I've seen him dominate UFC. Okay. And I've seen him when he first came out. And I remember when he beat The Rock. And The Rock was one of my favorite wrestlers. I was mm. like, man, this dude is like legitimately cock strong. Like, I ain't never seen nothing like it. And and so he became, you know, one of my faves. And the other wrestler that was really, um, you know, that I really like, you know, every time that I see him uh, on screen, I'm trying to think if he's on AEW. Um, and AEW has a lot of, like, oh, Jeff Hardy. And yeah. because I got to see Jeff Hardy live, and I remember traveling to the, uh, Columbia, South Carolina and watching him fight The Undertaker. Wow. Man, it was a house show. Everybody marked out in the building for both entrances, and the pop was just crazy. It, it just it, Jeff Hardy got one of the biggest pops at a house show that I've ever you know that I've ever seen. Um, which was wild. So when you go to WWE, 
you know, again, I'm looking, I'm like, yeah, I like the Miz, surprisingly. Okay. Because I watched him when he was on the real world. <laughs> so I seen where he came from. And so I love him. I love him more as a bad guy than anything. Um, so he's one of my big things. And and I'm a big fan of Sasha Banks. I'm a big fan of Sasha Banks and I'm a fan of Bianca Belair. I got to meet her um a couple of weeks ago when she was um in Charlotte. Mm. Um and I absolutely love her. You know, shout out to her. Her birthday was just yesterday. She turned thirty three years old. Um, real dope. I love the street profits. They're real cool cats in real life. You know, real down to earth, you know, get with them. So, those, you know, those are some of my, my favorites. And I love Charlotte Flair, too. Charlotte Flair. No, that's for, surprising. For how she can be, I love her just because she is every bit of what her pops was in his mm, mom. That's a huge compliment. Um, So, okay. So, you bring up those names. And you, say, and you said you have met Bianca. I remember you saying so last week. So I have a question, because I don't know if you know this or not, but on this show, I mean, well, I'm a collector in real life, and yeah. I, I get into this conversation with collectors all the time, because some collectors are collectors of photos, like them just being able to have the moment that they met someone, and they don't get the purpose of being a, a toy collector or whatever like that, because they mm-hmm. don't know what they would do with an autograph. I've always mm-hmm. been more of a autograph person, don't know why. I think that's mm-hmm. that's more of a memory to me than a photo. Also, I don't like taking photos, but anyways... I'm a huge collector of figures. I have a bunch of them autographed or whatever. Do you have anything that you've had autographed or do you, or, or uh, not just photo, but do you have anything that you've collected that means a lot to you from the wrestling industry? Uh, Mickey James. Mickey James autographed a photo um, and didn't charge anything. And they were charging that night. She said, you got your son. Your son is is here. He, he won the biggest, you know, cheers in the crowd. Let me autograph something for you. And, and we had our picture, man. I thought it was one of the dopest things that ever happened because, you know, they, they had a sex and it was like, oh, we, you know, $10, $15. Mm-hmm. And she just recognized from when she wrestled just how much of a pure fan he was. Mm-hmm. He was she was like, let me let me autograph this for you. You know, so that was dope. And then meeting the Rock and Roll Express, man. I <laughs> bet the Rock and Roll Express that they signed um, something for me with Buff Bagwell. Got pictures with him. And they signed um, the autograph, as well as Buff Bagwell did, too. I thought those were three of the dopest uh, autographs and real person, you know, stuff with those three. So I'm going to tell you a funny story about Nikki James from WrestleCon, right? I said, uh, I, I said this on the show, podcast last week. You're going to enjoy this. So I'm going down my list. I'm looking at the people who are going to be them. All right, these are the people I'm going to hit. These are the days I'm going to hit it. I, I little did I know it's so much like a Comic-Con where people just show up when they want to, right? So... Mm-hmm. My first person I was going to target was Mickey James. I said, man, you know, no one's not really being her line or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I wasn't saying that as a disrespectful thing. My thing was I was looking at the list of people and I was like, all right, she's going to be last, right? The funniest part about this whole thing was, one, I got Jungle Boy and Rob Van Dam first because no one was in their line to that point. I remember I kept looking. I was like, is that Mickey James line getting bigger? I was like, nah, I'm tripping, right? So I walk, go get Rob Van Dam because no one's in his line. I figure he's going to have a yeah. crazy line. I go up and Jungle Boy, well, I mean, he is no one in his line. Like, no one's in his line. I'm like, all right, cool. I'll get Jungle Boy. I'm looking. Yeah. I took a second take at it. And I was like, that's not Mickey James' line. So now I'm in denial, right? <laughs> okay. So okay. I, I leave. I come back. The third time, I'm looking. I finally walk up and say, hey, who is this for? Mickey James. I look. I'm like, why is her line longer than the line for government cheese right now? Like, yeah, what yeah. is happening, you know? And it was the first time. And I said this last week a couple times. It was the first time I ever been to an event with wrestling fans and wrestling collectors. See, me yeah. being at Comic-Cons all the time, when you see wrestlers, some have long lines for sure, but people are there for the like the Chris Claremonts and the comic creators. Uh, if you're yeah. if, if you're there for wrestling fan uh, for wrestlers, that's just the, the 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 cherry on top of the of the whipped cream. But I'm sitting there, I'm seeing all these toys of Mickey James from the Attitude Era and I'm like, yo, like not Attitude but from the Ruthless Aggression Era. I'm like, yo, like I'm never going to get her autograph. So I said, I'm just going to wait in line. So I waited in line, got to the yeah. front of the line, two people the way she had to go have a match at GCW. I said, oh, man, wow. I'm not coming back to her line. Cause I, cause I had a feeling her line was going to be crazier 
on Friday morning. Sure yeah. enough, I look. Well, I mean, her line was crazy. You know what I think, though? A big part of it. Not just that people were fans. But I think truly, after what happened to her last year with Trash Bag Gate, and then her going yeah. on to Impact to win the Impact Women's title, yeah. I think people began to appreciate her more. Because I remember, I was, I've was i always been a huge Mickey James. She's not my favorite women's wrestler of all time, but she's like mm-hmm. num- she's number two. And I remember yeah. her being so underappreciated when her with her Piggy James run. I hated all that stuff they did with her then. But when yeah. she came out at the Royal Rumble, I would, I would say, and I would have to watch the Rumble again, she definitely had the biggest pop, if not for the women, if for everybody that night. And you, you could see how much it meant to her to have the Impact World title around her waist and be in a WWE arena. And yeah. I just didn't think of it. But the funniest part was all weekend, she was there all four days. I refused, okay. to, go, I refused to go to her line. It, her, <laughs> her, Lita, Trish, megastars. Yeah, and I yeah. just re- I just refused to. But funnier story about Lita and Trish was I had a chance to meet them, uh, twenty twenty the very my very last con before the COVID before COVID really hit. I was at C two E two in Chicago. I was so naive. I'm walking past and uh, in, in 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 a row in order. You have Trish and Lita, Sting, Jerry Lawler, Christian, and I'm sitting there. No one's in their lines. Now obviously I'm there working. I already waited in line for CM Punk. I had someone waiting at my booth, so I, I didn't want to lose the money. I said, like, I'm going to come back yeah. for them. But then I got so busy, by, by the time I was done, the con was over for that day. So I, I ended up going back, and then I never saw them again. But to see their lines, that made me really happy to know how, how appreciated they are. Because as you would know, because you're an old school fan as well, women's wrestling was not always respected at all. No, not at all. <laughs> So like, what you brought, Mickey James, I had to say that story because I thought it was so funny that, like, I really just, I don't know why I was so naive. But speaking of women's wrestling, because you brought up Charlotte Flair, why do you think people don't like Charlotte Flair? Um, a lot of people see her as being cocky. Um, she should be. And, and a, <laughs> lot of the, a lot of the dirt sheets talking about her being hard to work with backstage and all those reports and and of course, the the thing I think a lot of it, her being tied to a wrestler that's in another company, and that you know, real life. I think a lot of that real life stuff kind of intercedes mm. with why people so kind of feel the way that they do with her being tied to a, a Grande. And a lot of people didn't even notice him at the Hall of Fame. It, you know, them flashing the, to them sitting in the audience together, and just how historic. I mean, think about it. In the old school days, would have never seen nothing right. like that. Right. But yet, here we are. You know, there. So I think Charlotte gets a bad rap. I love, I think, if she was any different from how her, her persona is, people wouldn't take her serious. And so how she carries herself and how she gets in character, and I love her more as a bad, as a villain, do not do, as a uh, baby face. I think sucks as a baby face. I think the heel will always be her strength. And and for that, she's going to always be a champion. And even when she don't have the title, man, she's still going to be a top draw in a main event because she she has and she got it naturally. She's ate up with knowing what is what knowing to be and not ever kayfabe and being in character will always be natural to her. No, I agree. I, I do think there's some people who just should never be faces. Like to me. The only thing that makes Randy Orton a good face right now is he has Riddle to play off of. But normally, yeah. under Randy Orton's history, I've never liked him as a babyface. But this looks like he's having so much fun with Riddle, and it looks like they're just—he just, looks like Matt Riddle has like really put life into his, Randy Orton's career as a babyface. Um, yeah. Charlotte yeah. Flair, to me, I don't think could be a. I think she could be a good face, but I think the problem with her is she does come off as naturally cocky. But I think people who are naturally as gifted as she is people won't like them anyway because they just they're just so they're too good it's like people when people see that they're like yeah no one's that good at things i'm not i don't like that person <laughs> yeah you yeah, know yeah, yeah. so charlotte comes to me I, I think she's a great the only thing i don't like about charlotte flair is how and this is only this only happens in the wwe machine the way they do it and that's just the way they've always done it when they find something they like they push it to the moon you know, yeah. but I think that's a problem they have with Sasha Banks, and I, I, I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought her up. I want your opinion on this. 
When I said okay. something, I said something to you last week about I believe Sasha Banks will be the next rock. She will be the first woman to break all those barriers, right? Mm-hmm. I say that, and I say that there's a, I do think there's a Sasha Banks problem. I think WWE knows that, and WWE does not want to ever have a Cena or a Hogan or a Rock again because when you have one person that runs your company or is the face of your company, it makes it hard when they're not around. But I actually did some research. And this, this is research I found. When Sasha Banks is on SmackDown and Sasha Banks comes on TV, she's a legit needle mover. Like, the ratings go uh-huh. up every time. Sasha Banks should be a megastar, right? And she is. But what I'm saying, though, is I think WWE is kind of scared of that. What do you say to that? She's, they're scared of that, but she's also been injury-prone. And it's the only thing that stopped her... Um, because I think it was the latter part of last year when she caught that injury when she was supposed to wrestle um, Bianca. I think it was Bel Air. Yeah. But she got that energy. She, it's been a couple of times when it's been time for her to take off and then something happens in the ring mm. that sets her back because everything lines up for her to be next level. You can see the pop. You can see when she shows up on TV. Man, I heard the pop in live TV, on live in a, in a live event. Man, she really is that person, and I mean that 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 thing. She has it. It's an it's, it's her and Alessa Bliss. Those two right there in their natural form, hmm. man. They they can be top of the company, bigger than Ronda Rousey, and up there on the level with Charlotte Flair. Hmm. But they're one step away from that. And I and I do agree with you. WWE knows that, so I think to a to an extent. <clears throat> they try to keep her at bay. Those injuries kind of played in the company's hands. But I think any moment she could take off, you put her in beat. I mean, girls, young ladies are main eventing wrestling shows, man. Mm-hmm. We didn't know nothing about that coming up. Mm-hmm. They were the first or second match, if that. Mm-hmm. Or they were the dark match. Now they main event. It's like, here we are. Yeah, I didn't think about the injury part of it. I do think the injury part of it does help. Um, cause she is so tiny and it's, yeah. and, and the moveset she does, like, you know, it's, you know what she reminds me of? I said this to someone off air before Sasha Banks is tiny, but has the moveset of a big E like the things big yeah. E does when he does a spear through yeah. the ropes and everything and the dives, he should not yeah. be doing it, but he's so big. And it, 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 I think that helps his body and, um, but speedy recovery to him, obviously. But like when Sasha, yeah. when Sasha Banks does those things, she, 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 she just, you can tell she goes to the ring with no fear. And she, doesn't, and she doesn't think about that. Like Bianca could do that stuff because Bianca has a little more muscle on her. She's a lot, she's she's thicker than she is. Um, yeah. But I do. I didn't think of about that. About that. But but you brought up Alyssa Bliss. Bliss. I'm, and as we're we're gonna as we're are we winding now? Not not yet. We have a few more minutes. But you said Alexa Bliss. I was thinking about this last night. So I was watching the rewatch of SmackDown, and I realized something. And I don't know why I feel this. I, I didn't know why I felt this way until later on. I began to not like Liv Morgan. And I have no problem with Liv Morgan, right? Yeah, yeah. But I was watching it, and I was like, man, something, something, there's a reason why I'm not connecting with her, right? And I realized something. You know the thing I don't like about Alexa Bliss and Liv Morgan? I don't like how... I love that they have fans, but I don't like how their fan base kind of... Their fan bases are crazy, dude. I'll just say... <laughs> That turns me off because I feel like Liv Morgan has gotten better since her days in the riot squad. Ten times better, right? Yeah. However, yeah. I don't see her on that level of a world champion. Not yet. Like, I, I just feel like I don't, when I see Rhea Ripley, I see a world champion. When I see Asuka, I see a world champion. I don't see yeah. Liv Morgan like that. Now, I do see Alexa Bliss that way. But I feel like yeah. what takes away from both of them, and this is, this is the crazy part of me, I, I'm not going to lie, your your fan base can turn me off from you. And I think that's what happens. What what do you think? Yeah, first of all, a fan base, I'm glad you brought that up. Alexa Bliss, shout out to you. You got married over you know over the weekend. Shout out to you. Much much happiness on that. I miss her on TV. Uh, uh to me, man, again, she has the same thing that we talked about with Sasha Bliss. She's so little. Mm. She's so little, man. So you think about any heavy, aggressive, like some real stuff. And you worrying about them blowing the knee out or mm-hmm. popping the shoulder out, 
you know, you think about what it takes. Like, you think about Roman Reigns in the rain the other, you know, uh, the last weekend with the, the, the shoulder out. Mm. <laughs> and what it took, the, the self pop it back in place. Like, man, these ladies, man, I mean, they going just as hard as these men. And it's like, man, it's like, you know, but and, and especially for the ones that, like Alexa and Sasha, I mean, they're so little, but they're doing amazing things. And so Alexa, I always mark out for, I think she was misused. Mm. And with the Wyatt, you know, with the Bray Wyatt character, I think they, they ran it too long, and I think they ran it in the ground. Alexa was popular just being Alexa. Was she was. a bad girl, all that. I think when they went dark, I mean, I think they ran a little bit, you know, too long. But it also brings me to Sasha's, Sasha's one of my faves, but man, one of my faves of all time may surprise you, and that's AJ Lee. No, fave, she's one dope. Of my fave of all time, man. Yep. But I think AJ with AJ, I know she did some moves herself, but AJ to me was more of a. Uh, I don't know how to say this without sound. I'm not trying to knock anyone. I just feel like AJ Lee was more of a purist as to where she was a more of a mat technician. She could do the dives and stuff too. But I felt like that's where she thrived the most is telling the story as far as on the ground game. I feel yeah. like when the four horsewomen came up, Becky Lynch, Sasha Banks, Charlotte, and uh, Bailey, I feel like, I remember I said this during one of the takeover shows, I feel like they had a deal to beat the living crap out of each other and do yeah. just do whatever it was. And I feel like that's why a lot of times when you see them collide, those matches are a little more aggressive. Um, yeah, but but I feel like AJ Lee always when I watched her, I always felt like she told more of a story with how she sold. She was a great seller. Um, she was, and I feel yeah. like I, I feel, no AJ. I'm not if anyone ever says it. It's not surprising to me. You know, you know, AJ reminds me of. I don't know if you're a big sports yeah. fan or not. She reminds me of Barry Sanders and Kelvin Johnson. She, I do, yeah, yeah. She 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 knew when it was t- her time to go, and she left. Mm-hmm. She did, yeah, she did. Um, and you brought up somebody that did. Had you not brought her name up, I would have forgot about it. That's Bailey. Bailey is that is that worker. Bailey, Bailey, if given the opportunity, injury is the only thing that is keeping her from being on that level. WWE has a couple of real gems in that women's locker room right now. And if they think if they can be injury free, man, we're talking about they they might be stronger than the men. Hmm. Mm, that's interesting you said that. So, as we're talking about the woman, which I did not know this conversation was going to go to, uh, AEW, let's hit that really fast before we get off the air. Okay. I, I feel okay. like AEW has decided to, I, I was very critical, and not just me, many people, when they first came out, they didn't have a strong women's roster. Now, in no. fairness to them, they're only three years old. So, it's like, you have to remember, like, was everything strong with the NWA or WCW? No, WCW was still going for WCW Saturday night. And having squash matches and not really progressing any storylines until Nitro came along. You know, it's flaws. Yeah. It's flaws everywhere. I feel like the women's division has gotten stronger. Um, what do you think about? First of all, what do you think about Tony Khan purchasing ROH? Do you think that helped them or hurt them? And second part of the question is, what do you think of their women's division now? I think it's average. And I think that it was smart for him to purchase um, Ring of Honor. I think it'll give him the depth that he needs where they, you know, they don't have to overuse the people that are really their main stars. And they also can develop some people that are are some hidden talent in that Ring of Honor um, roster as well. I think we still need to strengthen that women's roster. I mean, I love Britt, Britt Baker. I love her as champion. She, again... She she reminds me of a Charlotte Flair in that league. They, they just need a few more, you know what I'm saying, women to be, you know, be strong like the WWE has their top four or five. They need a few more bodies to be, you know, be strong in AEW and they'll be right there. Maybe, you know, Ring of Honor has a few there and maybe they can develop some of the other talent, you know, as well. Or maybe they can hit New Japan and get some people from, you know, from the Lucha hmm. Libre's with... They got room for improvement, and you know, if they keep knocking at the door, like Tony Khan got the money to get them. So I mean, if he keeps being aggressive, and they can have just as strong as a women division as WWE. I, I definitely agree with that. I definitely agree with average. I do like I do like the gyms they have. I think to me though, what what I put, even though I feel like the women's division in WWE lacks now, only because WWE is so formulaic. 
a lot of times you're seeing the same match. Like, how many times did BL, uh, Bianca beat Dewdrop on the way to WrestleMania? Because they just, they, 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 there's not yeah. much creativity there right now. Sometimes, yeah. but I feel yeah. like with, I think that I, I, I would, I would, we need more of an AEW from the women's division is rivalries. Like to me, when I see Britt versus Thunder Rosa, that's some, they, those two are going to be linked forever. Even if they both yeah. leave the company or whatever, you can tell. In my opinion, there's going to be high praise, but I mean it. I think when Rock and Steve Austin were in their prime, they liked each other to a degree because they were I both so. trying. They were trying to be the best. Yeah. I get the same yeah. vibe from Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker. Like after they had that lights out match, I think it was last year. It made Britt the star to me. It made Britt like, catapult. But what it made Thunder Rosa do, in my opinion, it showed that, hey, Thunder Rosa can carry people who are not as uh, built up as she is. But I think it was a catalyst to motivate Thunder to say, oh, you guys gave, you guys see the picture of her bloody. Wait till you see what yeah. I got. You know, and then she wanted, yeah. the, thing that, the thing that people didn't talk about last year, I don't think they talked about enough. Thunder Rosa, after that Lights Out match, went on a run of the indie scene and won so many different women's titles. And I feel like if they get more feuds like that, which is hard to build. That's just that's just good chemistry. That's hard to yeah. build. But I do believe that as of right now it is very average. And what are your overall thoughts on AEW as a whole? Because we know it's very divisive in the wrestling community. I'm one of the few people that I, I, I there's a lot of podcasters I respect um, that are the same way. But a lot of wrestling fans have chosen the side. I don't choose the side because I like I love all wrestling. But do you think AEW is good for the business or bad? I love AEW. And I think it is good for the business because a lot of people didn't think that they were going to be able to compete. But you'd be interested in money. Money can make some things happen. And I'm a fan because I think WWE without any competition is not good WWE. No. But WWE with competition, it makes them work harder. I agree. And so for that, I'm in favor of AEW getting stronger because it pushes WWE to get on their business and stay stay on their thing because I think they, they they get relaxed and they don't they don't write they don't write good stuff man when they ain't got no competition because they don't take nobody else serious and see AW had to come smack them in the mouth like WCW did and I think that woke them up and I think that's great if you're a purist if you're a wrestling fan and you just love wrestling in its purest form especially it takes you back to when it was you know, territory when you had different promotions all over the country. Now, that takes me back to that, and that excites me because now I can basically every day of the week turn on the TV and there's some form of wrestling on. Mm. And I'll say this side note, if AEW can utilize Ring of Honor like the WWE is, is utilized next, we end for years and years of great wrestling. I definitely agree with that. And before we get out of here, I have one last question. I know actually about your favorite moments or matches or whatever. And you told us about yeah. your favorite wrestlers. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm I'm just gonna say one match off the top of my head. I just want you to give your thoughts on it, okay? Okay. It's a very controversial match. It's, I don't think it's a classic by any means, but I want your thoughts on the moment and what it meant to you, if it meant anything to you. Okay. This is random. Sting versus Hollywood Hogan, Star K ninety seven. What are your thoughts on that match? Sting saved the day, basically. Um, from I remember that pay per view, and I'll say this: if the result had been any other way, then it probably wouldn't have been a boycott of the promotion. But I think with the energy, it was more one sided. And I think at the time, there was so much of a, you know, uh, oh, you know, create. It, it was so much of a. I ain't going to lose, and I'm not going to lose to this person, that person. And and then that match happened. And I think it was much needed at the time for the result to happen the way it did. And I'll mark for that moment because I've always been such a big Sting fan. And so Mm. I was excited for the momentum and the energy because, man, there was some dragon, dragon pay-per-views. And then Starcade came. And I think it was a much-needed moment. And I personally was happy for that moment to come because man at times you was like man is it on life support like we gotta get it back up we gotta get the energy back up so I was glad to see that moment I appreciate your time we've gone about an hour do you want to plug in your social media anything you're doing right now brother 
Man, it's, it's, you know, it's an honor to be on, man, and I hope we can chop it up again, man, because I really enjoy this being, you can't have this conversation with just any, everybody, so <laughs> of course not. It's, it's great, great to be able to chop it up with you, man, and, and hope I can come on again and, and talk, you know, talk wrestling, man, because I, I just, I, I get excited, but uh, Big Boo Radio, man, um, you know, we own, you know, three days a week, and uh, we're doing our thing, and you catch me on. You know, on Facebook, James Sherman Thompson, and you can catch me on IG, JT underscore Big Boo Radio. And you can also catch me on Twitter, where I get to interact with Alexa Bliss and Sasha Banks because they will respond to you uh, at JST Productions. So, um, man, again, man, it's been a super pleasure, man. And I hope to be able to come back again and let's talk wrestling. Oh man, that's, that's what that's what this Monday show is all about. As I told you last week on the show, man, like when I first re, re started this podcast, like I was doing, I went three weeks with doing the the, the pop culture and wrestling thing, and fans kind of just chose to, hey man, I don't really want to listen to that. I want, and I just kind of split the shows. It's more work, but it's it's worth it because a lot more people appreciate. Hey, if I just want to listen to wrestling, I can do this. And you're right, we can. Me personally. I find myself to be a more reasonable wrestling fan, like you are. <laughs> so I can have conversations where it's just fun, and it's not nothing's taken personal. If I say I don't like something, but you just can't have this conversation. It's, to me, I feel like it's like the LeBron Jordan versus Michael Jordan conversation. Someone's yeah. someone's yeah. gonna be offended, no matter what, right? Yeah. And I don't get yeah. offended. And there's so many people that have asked to come on the show, and I put them on. Oh, I would put them on, but then they get like super. Like you bring up AEW or you bring up WWE, and they don't like it. They get super offended. I'm like, yeah, man, my my audience isn't this angry. <laughs> so, yeah. So I appreciate yeah. you coming on, and so we will definitely have you on again for JT. This is Slow Chemical. Uh, this is, I see things a little differently, and we are out. <laughs>